If you would take your Bibles, please turn to the letter of John, the third letter of John. We continue in our studies um, in this series of the letters of John. We have finished 1 John and 2 John, and we are getting to the end of 3 John. This morning we'll be looking just at two verses in verse 9 and 10. Um, we've seen, we've been introduced to um, Gaius last week, who this letter was addressed to. We saw that Gaius was a beloved believer who had encouraged the Apostle John with his testimony, encouraged the Apostle John with his integrity, with his faithfulness. Um, he was a massive encouragement to the missionaries and evangelists who had passed through his local town, through his local congregation. Um, Gaius had provided them with Christian hospitality. He had supported them in their practical needs. He did everything that he could um, to promote the gospel work. And in our passage this morning, the Apostle John is warning Gaius about a man called Diotrephes. And he is in the same congregation, but he is not a good example to follow. Diotrephes is a man um, who is unfortunately a bad example. And we have these bad examples recorded for us to learn from, to learn from. He is not an example we are to follow at all. He is an example of what not to be in the local church. And this morning, there are six points that we can learn about this, this devilish attitude of Diotrephes. So if you would turn with me um, from verse 1, we're going to read... Um, to verse 10. Remember, we're just going to be looking at verse 9 and 10, but we'll read from verse 1 for context. 3 John, verse 1, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, behold, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. This week, I was busy doing some research and I found a, a website, the National Center of Education in the UK, put out some statistics. And more than 29% of the students in the UK reported being bullied uh, during 2018. Well, closer to home, I read an article from the 
the Gulf News website about an 11-year-old uh, Lojan Hussein. And the article reported that she was lying in a coma in a, in a hospital in Dubai after a group of fourth graders attacked her so violently that it led to a, a brain hemorrhage. So there's lots, there's lots about bullying in the headlines. You know, bullying on school buses, bullying on the internet, bullying in the workplaces. But what about bullying in the church? What about bullying in the church? Well, it is old as, as the New Testament. It's recorded for us right here in the letters of, of John. There have always been these kinds of people. Always. And even among the people of God. We can all be tempted in this area. Because the fact is we all struggle with pride. And it's a common temptation even for good people. I read a post on Facebook the other day. Someone was interviewing Mr. Bean. And they asked him, which would you prefer, people to love you or people to fear you? And Mr. Bean, he answered, he said, that's an easy question, both. I want people to love me so much that it scares them how much they love me. I mean, that's a, it's a silly joke, it's a funny joke. But I think it's really at the essence of what we are talking about this morning. This is really what, what Satan wanted, isn't it? He wanted to be loved. He wanted to be worshipped over and above God. He wanted the preeminence. This was the original sin, pride. And it's still a huge temptation for all of us this morning. Remember in Matthew chapter 20, when James and John, this John that wrote this letter, they, they sent their mother to go to Jesus and to plead with Jesus to give them the preeminent place in the kingdom, the best seat in the kingdom, because they thought that they were worthy of it. And Jesus said to them, you know, that's, that's something for the Father to give. But it goes to those who have suffered the most, not those who have sought the preeminence, those who've wanted to be first. And then he said to them, if you want to be first, you need to be last. You should serve. We all should be like the son of man who didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a, as a ransom. And that ended the conversation between Jesus and James and John. But even these disciples were tempted with the sin of pride. Well, real life in the early church is recorded for us right here in 3 John, and it isn't a, a pretty picture. This is a congregation that's literally been torn apart by a leader who is struggling with pride. He has a huge ego. Um, he likes to bulldoze his way and bully um, his own agenda. His bad example is recorded for us to, to learn from what we should not be doing in the, in the church of God. And his name is Diotrephes. He wanted the best. He loved to be first. He loved to have the power. And he wanted 
all the respect and all the honor that, that belong to God. So Diotrephes would not support the spread of the gospel. And he stood in the way of the gospel, sorry, he stood in the way of the people who wanted to support the gospel work. And John is describing this bad example to Gaius for a reason. Remember, he's writing this letter to Gaius. And John is giving him context here of how to, to treat a missionary. This is the, the, the whole theme of this letter. And these faithful missionaries were, were traveling from, from church to church, sharing the gospel. And as they traveled, they would receive hospitality from um, the members of, of the church. And remember the hospitality we learned last week included not just food, but included a place to stay, as well as some um, support, financial support, that would help them with the task of spreading the gospel message, would, would help them to be dedicated to that task so that they didn't have to be um, diverted from the work that the Lord had given to them. So John teaches us that Christians ought to invest in the propagation of the gospel. It would be wrong to expect Gentiles, unbelievers, to pay the preachers of the gospel for bringing the gospel to them. They, they wouldn't understand that. It wouldn't be right. And so John's calling for basic support for this kind of evangelistic and, and ministry um, outreach, this missionary endeavor. But Diotrephes completely contradicts the teachings of John the Apostle. Um, Diotrephes forbids the rest of the congregation to receive missionaries. And he even goes so far as kicking people out of the church, people who have been hospitable, people who have received these um, evangelists. And that's the setting in which John is, is writing to, to Gaius. And so John tells us six, six things that we need to know about the bad example and the bad character of Diotrephes. And notice in verse 9 and 10, the six things that John tells us, that tells about Diotrephes. So the first thing we see in verse 9, he loved to be first. First of all, he says, let me tell you why Diotrephes is doing this. He's doing this because he loves preeminence. You see the phrase that he uses to describe Diotrephes in verse 9. He says, he, in the ESV it says, he likes to put himself first. He likes to put himself first. Well, the King James Version says that he loves to have the preeminence among them. He loves to have the preeminence among them. Well, the word he likes um, is the same as he loves in verse 9. It is in the, the present tense. So this was a pattern. This was a pattern for Diotrephes. It wasn't just one mistake that he had made in the past. This was in the present tense. This is habitual for him. He is driven by this personal ambition. And this is so hard to deal with people like this in the church who have a different agenda than the agenda God has given to us. And we will see why in a moment. You know, the word diotrephes means reared by Zeus or, or nursed by Zeus. We know Zeus was the, the Greek god, um, the Greek god, and this was a name, as far as we can tell, that was only given to the people of 
nobility um, in the ancient families. And so it may have been that Diotrephes had some um, idea of self-importance. He may have had this problem because he came from, from a noble family. Perhaps he came from an aristocratic background and because he had a little bit of, a, of an upper class, he thought more highly of himself than he should have, maybe. We don't really know. But that really wasn't the, the problem here. Because our background doesn't really have to, to speak into this problem here at all. His problem is clearly identified in verse 9. It tells us in verse 9 that he loved to be first. That is the issue. It's not his background. It's not about his parents. This is not his parents' fault, okay? He loved to be first. That's what it says here. He loved to be first. This is a man who's greedy for power because he loves himself. This is a man who's guilty of spiritual pride. And we can see He's worked his way into some um, leadership position in, in the church. He's not a, a humble leader at all. He's not selfless at all. He didn't come to serve. He, he wants to be served. He's not loving at all. He's not compassionate. And he certainly doesn't have the mind of Christ that Philippians tells us about. In verse 3, it tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that mind, we know, is one of humility. That mind, we know, is one of humble service to our Lord. That mind is one of selfless sacrifice. One commentator said, the sin of Diotrephes is, I don't want to be on the team. I've got to be the face of the team. I don't want to just humbly serve. I want my name to be famous. I want them to talk about me, not Jesus. Well, think about that for a moment in the, the area of ministry where you are, where the Lord has placed you. And remember, we all have this tendency of pride. So this is not just for diotrophies. This is for all of us, folks. Do we struggle where the Lord has put us to want to be the face of the, the team? We, do we struggle with wanting to be served rather than just to serve? Do we want our names to be famous rather than giving God the glory? Well, in verse 9, where it says that Diotrephes loves to be first, he, remember he had this strong affection. It was... It was a, a strange affection to be first. But the term is also translated as preeminence. And I want to talk about that for a moment. Because I want you to see the, the, the issue here. The only other place this term is used in the whole Bible is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And I think the slide is there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And here it talks about the preeminence of Christ. Colossians 1.18 says, And he, talking about Jesus, Jesus is the head of the body. 
He is the head of the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead that in everything he may be preeminent. So here's a man who is competing with Jesus Christ. Here's a man who's competing with the one who is the head of the church. Here is one who doesn't, Diotrephes is, 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 is this person who doesn't believe that Jesus alone deserves the glory. And, and what he's trying to do is to step into the shoes of, of Jesus. He wants to rule the church. He doesn't want any competition. He wants to be in the place of Christ. He wants the, the people's affection. He wants the, the people's devotion. He's very similar to Absalom. Remember the, the son of King David? He was so power hungry. Remember that he was ready to murder his own father in order to take the throne. The Cambridge Dictionary defines preeminent as someone who is more important or more powerful than all others. Well, Diotrephes thought he was. Diotrephes thought he was more important. He liked to think he had more power than anybody else. But why do you think people struggle with this? And again, this is not just about Diotrephes. Why do you think people want to be first? Well, maybe they, they want recognition. Maybe it's because they're afraid of, of being lost or being lost in, in the crowd or being left out or, or left behind. Maybe it's because people crave attention. Or maybe it's because they, they want to hide some, some weakness that they, they have. And often people want to be first because it satisfies their desire to, 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 be, to feel needed. And this inappropriate expression of this need leads to a road of destruction. It leads to a road of disaster. Now the root of this sin is pride. And Diotrephes was a very proud man. He was so proud that in seeking his place of preeminence, he was actually trying to kick God off the throne. He didn't want to compete with Jesus. And how did he do this? By rejecting those who were serving Christ. This, which leads to my second point. Look at verse 9. Diotrephes does not accept apostolic authority. So not only does he love to be first, he does not accept the apostles' teaching. John says in verse 9, Diotrephes likes to put himself first but does not acknowledge our authority. He does not accept what we say. Another way to translate that is, we'll have nothing to do with us. He wanted nothing to do with the apostles' teaching. Remember in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we have the ingredients there for, for, a, for a healthy church. Acts chapter 2 is the, the first New Testament church there in Jerusalem. And it tells us that the first New Testament church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to prayers. These are the essentials for any church, even today. But verse 9 tells us that Diotrephes wanted to be his own authority, even to the point where he rejected the apostles' authority. So can you imagine someone rejecting John's authority? Saying, okay, John's written to you to do this, but we're not going to do it that way here. We're going to do it another way. These kind of people who are proud and, and self-righteous, these kind of people who love spiritual preeminence and seek power and control, they know no bounds on, on who they will reject. But you know, people did that also to the Apostle Paul. And they ended up doing that to the, the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Jesus tells us that if he himself was rejected, that we needed to be ready to be rejected as well. Well, here's a, a man who is a local leader in a, in a church who's rejecting the authority of the Apostle John. Notice also that Jesus delighted in submitting himself to the Father's authority. Remember, he said, I love to do the will of my Father. He says over and over in the Gospel of John, it's my, my meat to do the will of him who sent me. It's better than anything else. It's what keeps me going. It's what keeps me strong to do the will of my Father. And here we have the perfect example of the one who is preeminent. And then we have Diotrephes. And he says, I'm not going to accept apostolic teaching. I'm going to do my will. I'm the authority here. John can just keep his authority to himself. Notice the contrast here between the spiritual leader, Diotrephes, and, and the great Savior who deserved the preeminence. Now think about this for a moment. You know, there's some churches who are well known for their music programs. You know, there are other churches that are well known for their, their children or their, their youth ministries. And there are other churches who have a niche that appeals to, to other audiences, maybe large audiences. And I'm not saying anything wrong with striving for, for excellence to the glory of God, and we need to do that in all areas. But at New Life Church, we want to be known as a church that is devoted to the apostles' teaching. We want to be doing the will of the Father. That should be our meat. We don't have an other agenda. As we've been learning from the letters of John, the greatest danger the church faces today is not persecution, it's false teaching. If we do everything else well but neglect the teaching of Scripture, it's all a waste, it's all worthless, folks. And the early church was not devoted to the apostles' teaching because of the apostles' dynamic personalities. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching because they were the only ones who had the authoritative teaching of God. And here it is recorded for us in the Scriptures. We do not have the apostles with us today, but we have their teaching. It's right here for us to know. And this is why our focus must be on the teachings of Scripture. We do not worship the Bible but we do recognize that it is the only source for God's authoritative teaching. 
Diotrephes rejected the apostles' teaching. He thought he knew better. He thought the philosophies of the world suited him better. He was a prideful, selfish, arrogant man who, who lived in darkness, who did not walk in the truth. Don't be like Diotrephes. Be like Gaius, who was devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, by way of application, I just want to encourage you this morning. If you're not involved in a, in a ministry or in a, even a home group where teaching is provided, get connected. I mean, the whole reason we have the Friday school, the whole reason we have home groups so that we can learn the apostles' teaching, so that we can understand what the scriptures are telling us, so that we can be humbly serving our Lord as, as a product of that. Get involved. Don't reject the apostles' teaching. You know, we have home groups. I know there's a new home group that's being offered for, for the ladies in the mornings, if you can't come in the evenings, there's other home groups on different days of the week. We have men's meetings. We have ladies' meetings. We have book clubs. We have youth and the children's ministry. Get connected. Don't be like Diotrephes. We are governed by the Word of God, not by our own intellect, not by our own understanding but by the word of God. Look at verse 10, my third point. John goes on, if you look at verse 10, he says, Diotrephes is gossiping unjust accusations against me, against my spiritual authority. He's unjustly accusing us with wicked words. John says in verse 10, so if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. So he loves preeminence, he doesn't accept the apostles' authority, and he is lying about John to the congregation. He's spreading malicious gossip. He's saying things that are untrue. He's undermining John's authority by assaulting his character through gossip, through gossip in the, in the church. John MacArthur says in his commentary on Third John, he says, arrogance produces ambition. Ambition produces accusation. And accusation leads to annihilation. You start out driven by pride, and your pride produces the desire to be preeminent. Preeminent then leads you to falsely accuse everybody else so you can clear the field of all other claimants. Very well said, isn't it? And it all starts with this root of pride. See how wrong <laughs> Diotrephes was, was going here. Diotrephes was trying to get the trust of people by destroying the people's trust in everybody else. He was malicious. He was destructive. He was accusing, going around, gossiping tales. And gossip is a sly and sneaky sin that can destroy the, the unity of the church. There is never a time when, when gossiping helps. There is never a time when gossiping builds up. 
Gossip is, is evil and it's destructive, especially in the church. Now, there's a reason that James tells us that the tongue is a little flame, it is a fire. He says in James 3.10, that from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And then he says, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. He goes on in a few verses later. In James 3.16, he says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Someone who's a gossip is someone who is jealous. Someone who is jealous is someone who struggles with pride. Talking about people behind their backs never helps with unity, especially when the conversations take place in a, in a corner of the room or in, in the parking lot where nobody can hear what you're saying. Gossip is destructive and, and it points to your self-importance. I'm, I'm better than they are. Do you know what they did? Well, if, if you have a problem with what somebody's done, Matthew, eight, Matthew tells us in, in chapter 18, go and approach them individually. Personally speak to them. Don't spread gossip, unnecessary information. You know, anyone who wants to be a member of, of New Life Church is required to sign our church covenant. And one of the points in our church covenant says that we will protect the unity of the church by refusing to gossip or speak evil of others. It's destructive, folks. Don't be like Diotrephes, who try to break down the church, not build the church up. And Jesus told us that we'll answer for every word that we say. And gossips who continue in their pattern are, are inviting judgment upon themselves. Don't be like Diotrephes. My fourth point, Diotrephes refuses to welcome the brothers. Look at verse 10 there. Verse 10 says that, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He refused to welcome the faithful missionaries who were, who were traveling at that time. In other words, these missionary evangelists that came to the congregation looking for a little basic hospitality, he refused to have them at his church. And Gaius is commended because he received these missionaries and, and he showed them hospitality, but not diatrophies. He refused to have them. He was so self-absorbed with, with himself that he was not willing to to be involved in the work of the, the gospel, to support the work of the gospel. I've asked this question before, but what is the chief purpose of man? Answer that in your head. What is the chief purpose of, of man? Well, the answer is to glorify him and enjoy him forever, isn't it? We are to ascribe to God, honor, dignity, praise, and worship. That's our primary objective as redeemed members of his creation. By obeying him and, and following his commands to love him and to love others, that's how we bring honor and glory to God. But the scriptures have commanded us to make disciples of Jesus Christ. This is our great 
commission. This is why we need to be involved in, in missions as a church. We shouldn't be standing in the way of the Great Commission. We should be doing everything we can to support the Great Commission. You know, we're told in Scripture that we are to pray. We are told that we are to provide support to those who, who give themselves in, in taking the gospel to various parts of the earth. And Paul asked the church to, to pray in 2 Thessalonians that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified and that we, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. And Paul thanked the Philippian church for their contribution in, in Philippians chapter four. They gave a financial offering to him. You know, missionaries depend on our prayer they depend on our encouragement. They depend on our financial support to, to meet their spiritual needs and emotional and physical needs so that they can give themselves fully, wholeheartedly to the work of spreading the gospel. And we need to follow the example of Gaius in this regard, not the example of Diotrephes. Next week I've asked Billy Paul to come and preach he is one of the interns who is at ECC, who's been there. And I'm encouraged to have this young man come and preach for us. And his plan is to go back to Uganda and continue in um, a church plant there. And we can pray for him and we can encourage him. You know, next month, we're going to have Nissen come and preach and to share the work that he's doing on the campuses here in the UAE. And we have an opportunity to encourage him and support him. And if you want to do that, come and speak to me. Billy Paul will be here next week. At the end of September, we're going to have a missions conference and we're going to try and get all our missionaries together for this purpose so we can encourage them and we can support them in the work that the Lord has partnered us with for the gospel. We need to be involved in the work of the gospel, not stand in the way like Diotrephes did. My fifth point this morning, in verse 10, Diotrephes forbidded others in the church. So not only will Diotrephes not receive these missionaries, he says, no, you can't do it either. He forbids others in the church. Look at verse 10. He says, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and also stops those who want to. Now, some people seem to be satisfied with, with simply talking against others, gossiping, and that's all they do. But Diotrephes was not like that. He, he took a further step. He himself rejected the brethren and persuaded the church to do the same. He was an evil influence. And again, underlying all of this is the fact that the gospel was being hindered. The truth needs to be spread. The gospel needs to be shared. And if it's going to be shared, the church has to support the truth. The, the church has to support the work of the, the missionaries, not stand in its way, not be influenced by these 
greedy, selfish people who want the glory for themselves. We must follow what is true, not follow in the steps of wickedness. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Be careful who you allow to influence you. Verse 21 says, Disaster pursues sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. What do people say when they look at your example? <laughs> what do people say when they, when they see you in the church? Are you influencing them for the sake of the gospel? Are you encouraging them to be praying for missionaries? Encouraging them to be sharing the gospel? Don't stand in the way of the gospel. Be a vessel that the Lord can use for the spread of the gospel. Lastly, in verse 10, and probably the worst, he has apparently excommunicated some people from this congregation because they were receiving faithful missionaries. Look at verse 10, he says, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. And John is saying to Gaius, look, this, this lack of love, this immoral behavior, this rejection of apostolic authority calls Diotrephes' faith into question. Because what has he been teaching us all along? Our belief affects our behavior. What does he say? Say it, say it again. Our belief affects our behavior. No, Diotrephes, who claimed to be a Christian, he claimed to be a Christian leader in this church. I'm sure he was very eloquent and very persuasive in his speech. He influenced a lot of people for, for, for bad. He made all the claims. And he said all the exalted things. But his conduct proved that he was in fact walking in darkness. One of the biggest dangers of any church contracting this diatrophies disease is that it starts to become inward. The church starts to just be thinking about themselves instead of reaching out, instead of stretching out to the world around them. Now, instead of being encouraged by new people coming into the church, and welcoming them with open arms. Maybe some people in the church feel threatened because these new people might, might bring problems that, that, that we don't want. Or, or we don't want them maybe because they, they have a better voice than, than I do. Or, or we don't want them because they are a better musician than, than I am. Or we don't want them because they, they can teach and I can't teach. Or I don't like them in our church because uh, we don't want them in our church because they make a, a better a biryani than I can make. I can't make biryani, don't worry. <laughs> Did you get the idea? Well, doesn't it seem that the pastor has been spending more time with 
the new people and, and not with us. And the challenge presented by this attitude of diatrophies is, is to overcome this tendency to, to continue to nurse the exclusive club mentality. We shouldn't be doing that. We should be stretching out. We should be reaching out and making people feel welcome. We should be doing everything that we can, even in our homes with our hospitality, to reach out to the lost in our neighborhoods. Invite them over to dinner. Invite them to our home groups. Just go and surprise them. Just go surprise visits. Invite people to participate in our church activities. This is what a, a church who is not afraid of this diotrophies disease. We need to be careful of this, of the sin of pride. And John is saying to guys, don't follow this bad example. And John tells us not to follow the example that's been recorded for us, but to follow the example that Jesus has made for us, has set for us. We see that example, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Paul says, be he followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. That may sound a little arrogant. We must follow you, you're a man. Well, he, he validates that. He says, because I am following Christ. He doesn't want the preeminence. He doesn't want the glory. He wants Christ to receive the glory. And he's pointing to Christ. I mean, can you say that about your own life? Can you tell people, follow me as I follow Christ? Let me show you how to follow Christ. Let me show you about my wonderful Savior who has redeemed me from my sins. Let me tell you about my best friend. Our greatest example of all is Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve. Let me finish with this verse this morning, Philippians 2, verse 5 and 8. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, counted not the being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in a fashion as men. He humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death. Yes, the death of the cross. Father, this morning we come to you humbled again, Lord, by your word. Convicted, Lord, by your spirit. Because often, Lord, we don't have this mind. We don't have this mind of Christ. Often, Lord, we, we want to be served. And we get angry when we see other people being served. And we get jealous. And we become petty and prideful and start gossiping and doing what we can to hurt people and really break down the work of the gospel. We pray that you would forgive us for that, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for really wanting to stand in your shoes. Forgive us, Lord, where we have 
competed with you. Lord, you're the head. The body cannot exist without the head. And we need to submit to your authority, to your lordship over us. We pray that you would help us to do that. You are the only God. You are the only wise savior. You are the only redeemer who deserves all the honor and glory. Forgive us, Lord, where we have tried to steal that from you. We pray, Lord, that you would unify us as a church with one goal, to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. Help us, Lord, to be doing everything we can to exercise that goal. Help us to do everything we can to achieve that goal as we seek to make disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would help us. Give us, give us wisdom, Lord, how we can practically, Lord, be taking the opportunities that you give us to, to share Christ with others. And we've spoken much about this in our home groups, Lord, how we can open up our homes to invite people in to share the gospel with, how we can use our church, Lord, as a way to tell people about our magnificent God. Use our families, use our lives, Lord. Use us as a church to be fulfilling the mission that you've given to us. I pray, Lord, that if there are any diatrophies here this morning, Lord, that you would show them that this is not the place for them, that they are not to be competing against the one who is the head of the church. Lord, we would humble ourselves and we would give you the honor, the one who became obedient even unto death the one who died on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you, Lord, not just for giving us an example to follow, but thank you, Lord, for being obedient to the will of the Father. If it wasn't for that, Lord, we have no hope. But we thank you, Lord, you were faithful and obedient to the end. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.